We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to Episode 9 of Fantasy Bites. I'm your host, Joe Bartle. We're back with another episode of our Keeper Dynasty series, this time outlining the three biggest question marks for the rookie running backs following the NFL Draft. Jerry Donabedian steps in to break it all down, as well as give his insight into a couple other notable question marks at the position entering 2020. Without further ado, enjoy. Number three. All right, Jerry, in your opinion... Of this rookie draft class, what's the third most important thing for fantasy owners to keep to keep in mind of? Well, number three thing I'm watching uh, is with Cam Akers in Los Angeles. I, I really want to see how he looks on passing downs, uh, not just as a receiver, but also as a blocker. I think Sean McVay, uh, even when he had Todd Gurley at his best, you know, he favored the passing game, tended to use the running game more to close things out. So I think for Cam Akers... Like the key, you know, the guys competing against, they aren't the greatest runners, but they have some experience in the offense. Daryl Henderson, explosive in open space. So if Cam Akers looks good on passing plays, um, I think he'll have some leeway to kind of earn his stripes as a runner. I mean, the Rams drafted Akers in the second round this year for a reason. They invested significant draft capital, especially when they have so many other areas on their team, offensive line, namely that they could have probably drafted for instead. So it's, clear that they find him important. It just could be a matter of how important it is relative to their third round pick last year in Henderson, who many thought would also break out. Yeah. I think now, you know, with more teams embracing analytics um, and the first round running backs increasingly being a rarity, like acres going around 50th overall. I mean, that's, that's significant draft capital. It's almost the equivalent of like first round draft capital for a higher priority position. So, yeah, you know, when you say you can say the same thing with Swift, Dobbins, all these other guys, it's like the team's using a second round pick on what it considers to be one of the least important positions. That means they've got big expectations for the guy. 
So obviously the Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Dobbins, who we'll talk about later on. I feel like they're kind of cemented among the top four if you were to do a dynasty draft right now from just these rookies, especially the running back class. Is Akers number five out of this group, whether he does well in the passing attack or not? Yeah, yeah. I have Akers at a solid number five. I would I would probably put him like closer to three, four than I would to six, which I guess would be um, probably Keyshawn Vaughn, who we'll, we'll actually get to later. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that I, I like Akers as a prospect. I think you look at his college numbers, he averaged like 4.9 per carry. Usually we would say that's like not NFL material. You know, you want your guys in the NCAA to be up around five and a half, six. But when you look at the teams he played on, the Florida State teams, they had terrible blocking, poor quarterback play. Like, they knew that Akers was getting the ball, um, and he was still able to put up a decent level of production and 2,000-yard seasons. And now you look, he's in an offense uh, where we know that the running backs can have some opportunities in the passing game. Um, and we know that there's, you know, even if the team's not great, there's going to be some level of touchdown scoring. Like, I don't think the offense is going to just totally implode. So the big question for me is, like, is acres the one getting those opportunities? I do think there's going to be some like points to go around for the backfield in the Rams this year. I don't think the offensive line can possibly be as bad as it was last year. Let's project the best case scenario with acres before we wrap it up and assume that he does take on some of the pass catching role and also is a, a pretty fluent runner and really ends up surpassing Henderson in every way. What, where, where would he be in like a redraft rankings uh, right now for like, if, if, if all those best case scenarios happen for acres. Well, I mean, if you're talking about the, I mean, the best case scenario is that he comes in, he looks like a beast and you know, Sean McVay's like, I don't want Malcolm Brown or Daryl Henderson on the field. This guy's better. Um, and I, so I think he, I think he does have that upside to come in and have like a three down, you know, 80% snap share type role. If he looks really good, um, so you could argue, you know, in that, in terms of just like 2020 ceiling, um, he probably has a higher ceiling than in terms of non-injury scenarios. Obviously everyone has a high ceiling if all their teammates get hurt, but in terms of non-injury scenarios, I actually think he has like a higher ceiling than someone like JK Dobbins, like Dobbins, if he looks awesome, Ingram is still going to get, you know, eight carries per game, even if he's the second guy. Whereas if Akers comes in and he kills it, it's like Malcolm Brown, Darrell Henderson, those guys haven't proven anything. Like we don't know. You know, if they get outplayed considerably, they can just disappear from the offense. So best case scenario is like, you know, a dozen touchdowns and 1500 plus yards and 50 catches. Um, that's to be clear. That is not what I expect. Um, you know, my money would be on some form of committee. I think acres will end up leading the backfield in touches, but you know, I think it'll be more like, uh, I think all three guys are going to get at least a hundred touches this year. I mean, you mentioned Dobbins that, and that's fine. I think like best case scenario this year, acres has a better opportunity than even Deandre Swift, who I think is a much better prospect, but I'm not going to go ahead and, and put him in front of uh, Edward Solaire or Jonathan Taylor. But if you're just saying this season and I could see him even being higher fantasy potential wise than a lot of guys drafted before him, it's really just Edward Solaire and Jonathan Taylor above him. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, same. Um, I think on Swift, it's, you know, it's a little less close for me, but um, I think I take Swift because I think I like his, I think I like his floor a little bit better than Akers. 
um, partially because I just think he's a better prospect and partially because I really see him competing against one guy rather than two. And I think the Lions offense will be a little better than the Rams, but yeah, you're right. Like, you know, carry on Johnson, if he's healthy, he's going to have some level of involvement. I mean, we've seen since Matt Patricia took over the Lions, he's given, you know, he's given, he's brought in guys like CJ Anderson, LeGarrette Blunt. Like he's always wanted there to be at least two guys, if not three, getting snaps in the backfield. When you consider Carryon Johnson is still young, he's a second round pick and he's looked pretty decent, um, more so his rookie year than his sophomore year. But yeah, he's, you know, if he's healthy, he's going to be involved. That's not to say Swift won't overtake him as the lead guy. But like, yeah, I don't, if, if the Detroit backfield's healthy, I don't see either of those guys having like every down workhorse type potential. Number two. Okay. So from this rookie running back class, what's the number two or second most important thing in your opinion? So the second most important thing for me is Keyshawn Vaughn and whether he can win that lead job this year. Um, Cause when I look at him, He's got, of all these rookie running backs, I guess you'd say Akers is similarly weak competition for the starting job. Um, but Vaughn and Akers, you know, they've got the weakest competition within their own backfields. They don't have a Damian Williams, a Mark Ingram, a Carrion Johnson, someone with like draft pedigree or recent success. Um, and I think with Keyshawn Vaughn, he's, he's not someone I really like as a prospect. You know, he doesn't have great speed. He wasn't a great pass catcher in college. He wasn't an early breakout guy. Like he sort of checks boxes in a bunch of regards, but he doesn't, there's nowhere where he really makes you say, wow, where I feel like he really excels. Um, and so a prospect like that, you kind of, I worry, my concern is that if he doesn't beat out Ronald Jones this year, that we kind of will just never really hear from Keyshawn Vaughn. That'll kind of just be like one of these guys who lingers around as a number two running back that if he can't step up and beat Jones this year, then either, you know, a Jones will take off and he'll be, you know, the next big thing or B they'll bring in a new guy next year um, to compete with both of them. So I think it's sort of, I see some of these other guys like Swift Dobbins, Taylor Edwards, Lair. I think if they're not good this year, if they don't do a lot this year, I think they'll still do a lot next year and the year after um, um, and the year after for Vaughn. I'm like now or never. I'm pushing up my uh, fantasy glasses right now, really high. I'm doing my nasally voice, but Keyshawn Vaughn can block. He can block better than Ronald Jones, right? I mean, that's what that's what everyone was all about when he got drafted. Even though Jones was, you have to imagine the more talented guy, at least based off the combine tape, and is I think younger than Keyshawn Vaughn too. Like, there's a lot of things going against Keyshawn Vaughn for an opportunity to start. Most importantly, the fact that he's going to be in a backfield with the legendary Tom Brady. And if there's any mistakes that happen, whether it be pass blocking or miscommunication or anything like that, uh, it, why, why would uh, Brady, but also Bruce Arians want to put up with it? When we saw last year, he didn't put up with Ronald Jones or OJ Howard making mistakes, even though their talent level was obvious. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the, who knows how good of a, any rookie is as a pass blocker. And I think it's one of those things where it's like, First of all, the the number of the sample that you're working with is so tiny. Um, and like for the Bucks last year, most of the running back pass blocking snaps went to uh, Daria Gunbowale, not to Jones or Peyton Barber. But yeah, it's such a small sample. Um, and really, it's like it's hard to measure. It's like it's more about not screwing up your assignment more so than it is about being a great blocker, right? Like usually, usually when the running back is taking on that blitzer. Um, you don't need him to throw a standout block. You just need him to identify the blitzer and 
be sort of in his way in some capacity. What really hurts a team um, is a guy who just whiffs on his block and lets his quarterback get killed. And I, I don't really know how you measure that ahead of time. You kind of just have to see how it plays out. So, yeah, I'm not – I don't want to – I'm not certainly not burying Keyshawn Vaughn because, like, Ronald Jones might be a little bit better as a prospect. But, you know, through two years in the NFL, he's like, whatever, okay. Um, so he's not not the most intimidating competition. But, yeah, I guess my, I guess my point is that I, neither of these guys is all that exciting for me. But, I, you know, one of them is going to end up getting a bunch of carries in an offense that has all these receivers, Tom Brady, a quarterback, Bruce Arians. Uh, so there, there should be some touchdowns there for the taking, right? You would have to imagine. And I agree with you. I think this is a pretty important battle to watch. I think it matters more for Ronald Jones than it matters for Keyshawn Vaughn because you kind of identify it. If Vaughn doesn't succeed for whatever the reason, isn't able to capitalize on probably his best chance to be able to make a difference at the NFL level, at least early on in his career, that either opens the door for a guy like Ronald Jones to be value. And I was all over Ronald Jones last year and that didn't end up working out. But also if you were just to be drafting these rookies, he's probably a top 14. Keyshawn Vaughn is probably a top 14 pick right now, which you could almost entirely waste if he's not able to stave off Ronald Jones in any capacity or really carve out a, a value of his own. So it's, it's a sneaky, it's a sneaky, important. Um, it's a sneaky, important time for Keyshawn Vaughn because we know what the Clyde Edwards player, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, like those guys have a certain pedigree that comes with them. And we are all aware of them entering the year. I wouldn't say the same for Keyshawn Vaughn, but he's in arguably one of the best fantasy situations out of any of these guys. If he's able to get the starting job, but we just don't know if is the question mark. Right. Yeah. It's like, I, bo- I think for both those guys, it's like their, their future very much hinges on what they do this year. It's kind of, um, on a different note, like the the Raiders with Mariota and Carr at quarterback, it's like both those guys I think are going to get a shot to play this year unless Carr really knocks it out of the park early. But based on his history, it's probably not the thing that I expect to happen. But I think, you know, if one of them doesn't step up, I think they'll both be gone next year. And it could could be the same with the Bucks running backs. Maybe not gone because they'll both be on rookie contracts, but it could be like, you know, whoever the hot free agent on the market is, um, you know, the Bucks could be the team that's like jumping out to sign them or taking on like a contract dump with like a Le'Veon Bell or, or whatever it is. So I think neither of these guys is like they don't have the don't have the capital committed to them or the commitment from the team. So it's yeah, now or never. Well, this is a, this is off off topic, but I'm still surprised Devonta Freeman hasn't been signed by the Buccaneers. He feel like you'd, he, you make perfect sense as the James White if they are to kind of bring over that New England offense to Tampa Bay and. Uh, even if you look at the free agent class of running backs, we've just very noticeably seen Delvin cook demand an extension, which is probably unlikely. There's, there's a number of guys in the next year or two that are young backs who have been proven at the NFL level who might just not get paid by their team. So it's very possible the bucks could go in that direction. I think you're right. Yeah. Well, there was that, that the one draft class had um, Dalvin cook, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, um, Aaron Jones. I think that if you look at like the way that we talk about rookie running backs now, like I think that especially Hunt and Kamara coming in as third round picks who were thought to be backups and being like instant RB ones in fantasy, that's sort of like, I almost like fantasy markets have not readjusted since then. Like our expectations of rookie running backs have stayed sky high. 
but since that year, um, I guess it would have been 2017, like that hasn't, they, they haven't really lived up to expectations. Saquon, obviously, but that's a number two overall pick we're talking about and like a once every 10, 20 years type athlete. Uh, so yeah, I think if, you know, next off season, if you're a team that needs a running back, it, it would be a good time because I think Kamara will get his extension, but I think, you know, like Jones cook, those guys have had some injury issues. Their teams have good backups. Like at least one or two of those guys is going to get to free agency. I'd imagine Kareem hunt isn't going to want to sign a long-term deal to be Nick Chubb's backup forever either. No, I agree with you. And I think they're more talented than maybe the Melvin Gordons of the world. And, and Le'Veon Bell is probably a better comparison, but him having sat out the entire year, basically, I think certainly there is questions about what his talent is. I have no such reservations about Delvin Cook or Aaron Jones, but yet I still understand why a team might not want to pay for them. Number one. All right. We've talked enough about the, the good running backs here. Let's get back to the rookies for a second out of this rookie draft class. We talked about the quarterbacks last week, the running backs this week. What is the most important takeaway for you after everything's unfolded and, and how the rookies have went to different teams? Like what's, what's the biggest focal point for you as a fantasy owner? So I, I say this with a slight bit of bias as a Ravens fan, but the top thing that I'm watching for is to see when JK Dobbins goes to that lead job in Baltimore because I, I, and I, as you know, a Ravens fan, I really don't know. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if we come out this season and Dobbins kind of has Mark Ingram's role from last year and Mark Ingram has Gus Edwards role. Um, I think it's more likely the other way around where Ingram is still the lead guy and more trusted on third downs, but I'm not sure. On the other hand, like it could be week one Dobbins in the role. It could be, it doesn't happen until 2022 because Ingram's still under contract for two more seasons. He played great last year, not just running the ball, but as a blocker, um, as a pass catcher, he had five receiving touchdowns and like 25 catches. Uh, and he's, you know, one of the leaders of the team. So I just, I really don't know what this timeline is for JK Dobbins, but I do know that when a team that is as analytics driven as the Ravens uses a second round pick, not only on a low priority position, but a low priority position that they don't have a need for. I know that they have huge plans for that guy. Like they, they must be pretty darn sure about JK Dobbins to, uh, to use that pick rather than picking, you know, a wide receiver an interior lineman. There are definitely much more obvious areas of need for the team. Um, so in one sense that kind of hurts Dobbins, he has more competition right now, but in another sense, it shows you just how much they love him as a prospect. Well, when you can get Devin Duvernay to fly into the third round, I mean, do you really need a wide receiver? It's very clear once again, yet again, that the Ravens were able to manipulate and, and work the draft better than anybody else. And it's been that way. It feels like the past 10 years. I'm not saying this as an angry Packers fan whatsoever. <laughs> uh, who needed really, really needed a wide receiver. No, nothing like that. But uh, the Dobbins pick, I think is huge. And I agree with you a hundred percent. I love Jonathan Taylor as a prospect. I think he is the best running back of this class. And I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be in a great spot with the chiefs for the next couple of years. You talk about who could be a Saquon Barkley for a fantasy rookie running back. And I think Edwards Hilaire has an opportunity, but long-term like best running back for multiple years, Ezekiel Elliott kind of level, Saquon Barkley kind of level. Dobbins is in a position with that Ravens offense, specifically with Lamar Jackson to do incredible things. Ingram played great last year. He didn't have to do anything spectacular to do great things because Lamar Jackson opened up and that, and that scheme opened things a lot. And I think Dobbins is a better athlete can do things, both pass catching and running that Ingram can't do. 
and you talked about it, Ingram's contract is for the next two years. However, they can get out of it the following year with, I think, a little under $1 million in cap penalty loss. Like, it's, it would not be a big deal whatsoever if they traded him or cut him to really let the doors go for Dobbins. Yeah, the, yeah, they really, in terms of guaranteed money um, for Ingram, I, I'm pretty sure all of it or almost all of it was paid out in the first year. So, like, technically they could, um, and I did have this thought after they drafted Dobbins, it's like I, and I don't think they will because, you know, I think the team really is all in for this year and they do value having depth at running back and Ingram's one of the team leaders. But it did kind of occur to me, like, they could just get rid of Ingram and you put the money toward, like, a discount pass rusher or Devion Clowney. In my dreams, that won't happen. Uh, but you know, Hey, I can, I can dream of it. Uh, but yeah, no, there's, they're not, even though Ingram is under contract for two years, they're not committed. So, uh, you know, it, I think it will come down to like how good Dobbins looks largely. Um, and yeah, like we've seen with like, you know, Gus Edwards averaged like 5.1 and 5.3 yards per carry in his first two years, like playing next to Lamar Jackson is the cheat code for running back efficiency. And Ingram was up at five yards per carry last year uh, and yeah I mean, we've seen that with other running quarterbacks too right like the the cardinals everyone besides david johnson was up around you know chase edmonds kenyon drake were up around five per carry if you go back and look at those 49ers offenses of kaepernick i know they also had a very very good offensive line um but they were super efficient with their running backs running um the bills with tyrod taylor it's like if you've got that quarterback who can sell the keeper threat and he can keep the outside you know weak side uh contained guy from crashing down on the running back. It's just, it's so helpful. It's hard for the other team to really get many tackles for loss. It's like, you might not be breaking off long plays over and over, but you're going to get, you know, a lot of threes and fours uh, and occasionally pop the bigger one. So yeah, if you look at what someone like Dobbins, if, you know, if Gus Edwards can put up over five yards for carry, can Dobbins go to five and a half playing next to Lamar Jackson? I, I definitely wouldn't rule it out. Yeah, that's, that's right where I'm at too. And honestly, you've talked me into this last question. It is Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor and Dobbins, right? If you're doing a rookie draft, you wouldn't go crazy and take Dobbins before either one of them or would you? No, I would still, I would still probably put Dobbins third. Um, for me, I have Taylor, then Edwards, Hilaire, then Dobbins, then Swift. Um, so that's, you know, I think for redraft, I'm, I'm really not too big on Dobbins. Cause like I said, I just, I thought Ingram played well last year. Um, I think there'll be some aspect of deference to the veteran. And I just think he's still a good player. Um, so for redraft, I think I put Dobbins at five, but four to five. Um, but yeah, no, for, for dynasty keeper, I put him at three. Yeah. I think I'm right there too. And, and for me, it's Jonathan Taylor, one, a, and Edwards Lair one B I don't see much of a difference. And I think long-term maybe Taylor has a better career, but Edwards Lair for the first three or four years is going to be in an incredibly envious situation. So those two are, are pretty, pretty close to one another. And then there's a drop-off at Dobbins for three, but then there's a drop-off at four. And I think that's swift as well. And then acres at five for Vaughn at five. Like you could, you can make a lot of different arguments. AJ Dillon would be in the conversation for top five. I don't think he's, I don't think he's quite there, but it, it's Dobbins was not my, I think he was my fourth one entering the draft. And he was probably one of the biggest players offensively to really gain value for me with his landing spot. A lot of different play, a lot of players went to bad spots. I didn't like Jerry Judy going to the Broncos, for example. Uh, you know, a, a few of those other guys as well, but Dobbins really, I thought had his value exponentially um, 
added by going to such a great offensive scheme for him. Yeah, definitely. If, if you're patient, like, especially if you're a rebuilding team and you know, you're thinking more 2021, 2022 in terms of competing for championship, it's a great spot for Dobbins. Maybe a little disappointing if you are just looking at trying to get volume this year. Um, but you yeah, know, for the long term, uh, I definitely think that it's a, it's a good spot. Um, and I'll also say that like AJ Dillon is sort of the same where I'm like short term, I don't like it, but long-term, like you look at the discount that you get on him compared to the other running backs that were drafted in the second round, you know, guys with that kind of draft capital behind them tend to find their feet in time, tend to find their way onto the field one way or another. Um, whether it's the Packers trading him or trading Aaron Jones, or they just let Aaron Jones play out his contract and don't resign him. Um, or Aaron Jones moves into the Jamal Williams role, Jamal, you know, like all kinds of different things can happen. A guy with the draft capital and the talent that AJ Dillon has, I think he's going to be getting a lot of NFL carries. Um, maybe not this year, but as probably in 2021. And if not, then 2022, 2023, I just, you know, like I said, second round for a running back is like the equivalent of first round in other positions, like a big commitment for teams to make. Um, given like the trend toward more teams using analytics, which devalue the position. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Well, thanks for joining me today in the, on the show. Anything you want to plug before we sign off? Uh, no, that's about all. I've just been working on the Rotowire annual football magazine recently. So that not quite ready yet, but that should be out sometime this summer. And that'll definitely be a good read. Although I'm biased. Well, I am too, but it is one of my favorite things to look forward to every single year. I, yeah, I believe the NFL magazine should be, well, I know it's going to be out this summer. I, I was hearing rumblings that uh, within the next three or four weeks, it's possible, but uh, I guess we'll have to stay tuned to that. I, I, I know there's a lot of different subscribers out there that are looking forward to having a little bit of NFL in their lives, especially during this dark period for sports. Yeah, good to talk with you, Joe. That does it for us on episode number nine of the show. Special thanks to the Racing Pulses for lending their music, as always, as well as Jerry Donabedian for stopping by to talk some rookie running backs. Tune in next time as a special guest and I break down the rookie wide receiver class. Thanks for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.